about excuse making and how good we are at it. It's a trait we learn really early in life. Have you ever noticed really young children how that they can begin to make excuses when something has happened? Maybe they've done something wrong and they're pretty quick to start making excuses as to why it happened and why it's not really their fault. We're really good at that. We learn that trait early in life. And it's typical of us all, and it's, it's a practice that's been around for a long time, too. I want you to think back to the episode with Moses when God called him at the burning bush. Uh, that's a familiar episode to us. In fact, it was just in our daily Bible reading uh, this week. God called Moses, and Moses immediately began to make excuses as to why he wouldn't be able to do what God wanted him to do. And look, turn with me to Exodus chapter 4. In Exodus chapter 4, beginning verse 1, Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thy hand, and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand, and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. God called him, had an assignment for him, had work he wanted him to do, and Moses began immediately making excuses why he couldn't. And so God basically says, I'm going to give you signs that you can perform to convince the people that I've sent you and that this is my will. And so he asked him the question, what is that in thine hand? Of course, Moses had his shepherd's staff in his hand. Uh, this was just a, a, a very common tool that would have been used by shepherds tending their flocks. And God said, I can use even something as simple as that. What is that in thy hand? He cast it down on the ground, it became a snake. He picked it up from the, by the tail and it became a staff in his hand again. And that was just an indication that God was going to use Moses. He's going to use that staff that Moses had as well to provide positive and powerful proof to the Egyptians. There are lots of examples in the Scripture of God using very simple, common things to accomplish His will, to show His power. Shamgar killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad. David killed the giant Goliath with a simple sling and stone, much like a, a shepherd boy would use in the field. You can almost imagine... David practicing with that sling as he's out watching his father's sheep. And with a sling and a stone, he killed Goliath. Jesus, of course, powerfully and miraculously fed thousands of people with just a few loaves and fishes. Simple, common things. God could use them. And so our point that we want to make in our lesson this morning, just like God asked Moses, what is that in thine hand? We want to ask, what are our abilities? What, are our, what, are, what do we possess? What do we have in our hand, so to speak, that God can use? God can use simple things. He can use us. There are things that we can do. And we need to be faithful stewards of the blessings that God has provided to us and use them in his service. And so we're just going to ask, as God asked Moses, we're going to ask ourselves this morning, what is that in thine hand? What do you have? What are the blessings that you possess that you can use in God's service and to his glory. We stop here for just a minute to greet everyone again, as Gordon already has. We're glad that you're here. We appreciate your presence with us on this Lord's Day. 
We look forward to coming together to worship God. We pray that he'll be glorified in our service. We also need the instruction and the encouragement that comes from the Word of God, and we hope we can learn things from his Word that will stir us on and motivate us to greater service in his kingdom. We hope that will be accomplished too. We thank you all for being here. For those of you who are visiting with us, thanks for coming. We hope you'll come again every time you have a chance. And we're always open to your questions. If we can be of assistance to you in special ways, please let us know. What is that in thine hand? Well, I don't see anybody here this morning with a shepherd's staff in their hand. So somebody said, well, then this must not be applicable. No, there is. It is applicable to us because we do possess things that we can use in God's service. Let me suggest to you that we can use our time in his service. You ever wondered about how much money somebody has, some wealthy person? We used to talk about millionaires or maybe multi-millionaires. Now we're talking about billionaires and multi-billionaires. There's some really, really rich people in this world. I think that this guy with Amazon, Jeff Bezos, has now become the richest man in the world. So much money, I'm sure he can't even keep track of it all. But maybe even on a somewhat lower scale, we think about some people we know here in our own community, some really wealthy people. Wonder how much money they have. Well, the thing about money is we're not equal in regards to money. Even among those of us who are assembled here this morning, different ones have different amounts of money. Some have more, some have less. Some have a lot, some have a little. And so we'll talk about money here in a minute. And we're not equal in regards to money that we might be... But you know, in this subject, about the time that we have, we are equal in time. Every one of us has the same time, and the question is, will we use it effectively in God's service? In John chapter 9, verse 4, excuse me, I've got, oh, excuse me, I'm ahead of myself. Proverbs 27, verse 1. Proverbs 27, verse 1. Uh, the wise man speaks of some urgency in using our time. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. We've got time. We've got it right now, but there's an urgency in using it because we don't know how long we'll have it. We've all got it. We've all got the same amount of time. We don't know how long that situation will continue, but right now we're in possession of time. And the wise man says, use it effectively. Jesus said in John chapter 9, verse 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Jesus urged us to be using our time now. There's a big word that we use, but we, it's a big word we all know, and that's the word procrastination. Putting off, doing what we know that we ought to do. We do that about lots of things. As, as I imagine, there are a number of husbands here who have a list of things that their wife wants done around the house, and you've been procrastinating, putting it off, not doing it, although you know it needs to be done. Well, that happens in spiritual matters, too. In spiritual matters, sometimes we procrastinate, put off doing what we know needs to be done. There may be some in our assembly this morning who are not yet Christians, but, and you intend to become a Christian to obey the simple gospel of Jesus Christ, but you've been putting that off, or even for those of us who are Christians, things that we ought to be doing in our spiritual service to God that we've been putting off or delaying, procrastinating. You've got time right now, and you better be using it because there's an uncertainty about how long that time will last. Jesus understood that. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. 
In Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul suggested that we're accountable here, that we are stewards of our time. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. And so there is this concept of stewardship that even applies to the time that we have. What's in your hand? Well, you've got some time, right? You have time. You're in possession of time that you can invest serving God, doing his work in this world, and you need to use it. You've got it. This is something in your hand and mine that needs to be used for God. Let me suggest to you that you also possess certain abilities. You, in your hand are certain abilities. Now, this is different than time because we understand that not all are equal in regards to ability. Uh, we have to admit that some people are more capable than others, that some people can do more than I can do, uh, and so forth, because of abilities that they possess. Some have more, some have less. We understand that. But know that every person has some ability to be used. We remember the famous parable of the talents. We won't take time to read the whole parable here, but in Matthew chapter 25, you remember it begins in verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And to one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability, and straightway he took his journey. Now we understand that the talents here in this passage are a reference to sums of money. This was a measure of money. But notice that when this master assigned his different servants a degree of money to take care of, notice it was according to his ability. And so it was understood that they had different abilities, and therefore they were assigned different responsibilities. But everybody had some ability, and everybody had some expectation. I think that's the great lesson of that parable, and it certainly speaks to us that we all, each one, everybody, to one degree or another, you have abilities in God's service, and you need to be using your ability. Notice what Paul said about this in Romans chapter 12, beginning verse 6, in regards to the church. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people in church that I don't, I can't, there's nothing I can do. I can't do anything. And that's really not so. In Romans chapter 12, verse 4, beginning, all the members do not have the same function. And he says, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given unto us, let each exercise them accordingly. So, we're not all the same. We don't have the same role. We don't have the same function. We don't have the same ability. But everybody's got some. And there's a place for each of us to do what we can in his service. And so, I think it's worthy to ask, when it comes to this question of ability, what is your ability? What ability do you have? We need to do a little soul-searching, self-evaluation. What ability do you have in God's service? And then also ask the question, am I content to stay at this level of service? In other words, I've got, maybe my abilities are minimal. I don't have a lot of ability right now. Am I content to stay at that level? Or will I strive to attain more capability in doing God's work. I think that's the way we need to look at it. Uh, we've got ability. If that's in your hand right now. You have some, and you can get more to do more and more to his honor and glory. What is that in thine hand? I want to talk to you for a minute about influence. Here's something that you have. You possess it, and you can be using it for good, or unfortunately, you might use it for bad. Have you ever stop to think about the number of people 
in your sphere of, that's what we talk about, a sphere of influence, have you ever thought about how many people that might include? I think if we were serious about it and actually did some adding up, we might be shocked at how many are in our realm of influence. When we think about family members, when we think of friends, neighbors, co-workers, fellow students, there's, there's, there's a lot of people around each one of us, people that we have the opportunity to influence, and we need to be using that influence for good. The standard verse that we use talking about our influence is Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus speaking in the Sermon on the Mount. says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let your light shine. We could paraphrase that by saying, Let your influence be good. Use your influence for good, to influence others, so that they will come to glorify the Father which is in heaven. When we, when we speak of influence, we, we always want to stress that we all have that, including you young people. You have strong influence on others. Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, verse 12, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example of the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. And so young and old alike have this influence. It's something you possess and something that you can use in God's service. Now, so I have, I, I have this power of influence. I, want, I should be using it for good, but, but obviously there's the danger that I could use my influence for bad. In Deuteronomy chapter 20, remember Deuteronomy is sort of Moses' final address to the children of Israel before his death. He's talking about how they would go in and they would conquer the promised land and make it their own possession. But he, he, he had this warning for them. He says, then the officers, this is Deuteronomy 20 verse 8, then the officers shall speak further to the people, and they shall say, Who is the man that is afraid and faint-hearted? Let him depart and return to his house, so that he might not make his brother's heart melt like his heart. And so Moses said, If, if, you're, if you're a person who's afraid and not willing to do this, then just go on home, please. We don't want you being among the others so that your faint-heartedness will cause them to be faint-hearted. And so... The idea that Moses is putting forward there is that influence can be bad and we can really adversely affect the people around us and obviously that is something we don't want to see happen. So you have influence, you have influence for good. You can affect the people of our community, your friends, neighbors, co-workers, fellow students. You can affect them for good. You're, you're in association with others in the army of God and his family. You have a powerful influence on them for good or for bad. Use it for good. Use your influence for good. Jesus warned in Luke 17, verse 1, it's impossible but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Be careful. Use your influence for good and not for bad. Understand that there's an accountability factor here and that we are responsible. What's in your hand? You have influence that you can be exercising for God. And then, I think pretty obviously, we just talk about our basic resources. They were money, possessions, things that we have. And this is probably a very literal application of the principle that God spoke to Moses. What is in your hand? He had that shepherd's staff in his hand. I can use that. God said, I can use that. 
Throw it down and make a serpent. Pick it up again and make it a staff again. Moses could use that staff in God's service. Well, we've got possessions too. I, I know some of you all have walking sticks or staffs that you might have. Uh, but here we're talking in a more general way uh, about money and possessions, material things that God has blessed us with. Um, the proper view of these things, of course, is that we are just simply entrusted with them, that we are stewards, and that we need to use them in His service. I'm afraid that in this materialistic age that we live, that it's easy for us to begin to think it's all about these things. I've got to get more things. I've got to have more stuff. And that's obviously a mistake. The Scriptures are full of warnings about materialism and covetousness, and we've got to be careful because we're greatly tempted in our modern age. That way we live in a blessed time. We live in the richest place, in the richest time in the history of the world. And so if anybody has to be careful about materialism and covetousness, it's surely us. But in regards to these resources that God has blessed us with, we need to be using them in his service. In the text that Roger read for us earlier from Mark chapter 12, here we see how the Lord views this business about our money, our resources, the things that we have. Mark 12, verse 41, Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, and he called unto him his disciples and said unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury, for they did cast in out of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Notice, these people had given just of their abundance. Um, and I'm, I'm afraid maybe that's the temptation for us. We'll give a little money or other resources that we possess, but it's just sort of the abundance. It's, it's the leftover. It's, it's what we don't need for ourselves. And that's what these people were doing. They were casting in out of their abundance. Jesus commended the poor widow because she gave all she had. And really, that's what he expects of us. He expects us to give all that we have, that everything we possess is, is for his service and his glory, and, and that we're just stewards and we're just using this to his ultimate glory. That needs to be our view. It's not that the widow just had two mites. It's that she gave everything she had, and that's what the Lord is expecting of us to. We need to use our resources uh, to his honor and glory. What is that in thine hand? you got time. You've got ability. You have influence. And you have resources of various amounts. we all got some of this. Right? What's in your hand? How are you using it? Think about those things and let me suggest to you one more thing that is in our hand and that is our destiny is in our hand as well. How we use the things that God has blessed us with and entrusted us with is going to ultimately affect our eternal destiny. Judgment is coming. Uh, and there are a lot of verses in the Bible that describe it, but look at this. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Judgment's coming. You're going to be judged. You're going to be judged based upon the things that you've done. How well you've used those things that God placed into your hand. And in the final analysis, nothing else will matter. 
Matthew 16, verse 26, What is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You know, we sometimes refer to rhetorical questions, questions that are asked that, that you don't even have to answer because the answer is so obvious. And that's the kind of question Jesus asked here. If you could gain the whole world, if you could gain everything in the world, but you lost your soul in exchange, you'd be making a terrible trade-off. And so we have been blessed with all kinds of things that God has placed in our hands, and how we use them will affect our eternal destiny. What's your situation this morning? Are you serving God faithfully? Uh, have you become a Christian by obeying the simple gospel? hearing the truth and believing it, repenting of sins, confessing faith in Jesus, being baptized for the remission of sins. Have you done those things? If not, we would urge you to make that decision. We'd be glad to study with you more. It may be that you feel you don't know enough yet or you have questions that need to be answered. And we'd be glad to sit down and study with you about those things so that you can make this decision for the Lord. If we can help, let us know. If you're a Christian already, but you've not been using the blessings that God has given you, you haven't been a good steward, You've not been living like he wants you to live. We'd be glad to pray with you and for you. We urge you to come back to him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song.